Good morning, church. We serve a holy God, a masterful God, a merciful God, a thrilling God, and a God who blesses us so much. It is good to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance today. Let's go together, please, to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, righteousness, sanctity, and hallowedness belong to you. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and thank you so very much for this opportunity to be here today, to be assembled to worship you, to know that you receive our worship that is in spirit and in truth, to know that we can bring glory and honor to your name this day. Thank you. Lord God, for this very opportunity. Bless us to keep our minds clear and free of worldly thought. We might focus only on you, and on that amazing sacrifice through Jesus Christ, the Lamb. And help us, Lord God, to serve you with honesty, sincerity, and in truth. These things we do ask and pray. In that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, it be thy will. We pray these things. Amen. What about world hunger? When you think of world hunger, what do you what do you think? What do you think about? You know, it's kind of weird. I, I kind of think of a, a term that we misuse often, uh, especially in America in particular. We use this term, I am starving. You ever you ever heard that common phrase? I am I'm starving. I can't I can't. What do, you, what do you mean when you, when you use that term? When we say, I am starving, what, what, does, that, what does that mean? Does, does that mean that um, it, it is time to eat? You know, and so we eat. Most of us eat. We, we have to be honest. Um, because it's, it's, it's time to eat, not necessarily because we are, we are hungry. When we think about starving, we think about missing a, a meal of the three or four throughout our day. We eat nothing necessarily because it's because we're hungry, but because it's maybe because it's time to eat. How often have you eaten just because it was dinner or lunchtime? I've done that on a mission one time and just was totally put to shame. I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you about that some other time. It wasn't because I was actually hungry. It was because it was time to eat. And then I think about the word famine, and I think about famines that, that um, have come into the world. What if there were a famine in, in our land? What about the famines all over the world? What if you wanted to eat, but, but there, was, there was no food around? There was nothing to eat. And famines, I'm going to Genesis 12, have been around since, since almost the beginning of time. In Genesis 12 and verse 10, the Bible says, Now there was a famine in the, the land. So Abram went in, the, excuse me. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And then there's a, another famine in Genesis 26 
that refers back to this famine. And in Genesis 26 and the verse 1, the Bible says, Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerah, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Notice that the famine was so great that they had to travel to find food. Genesis 41. And, and this idea of a famine and, and to give us an understanding of a famine, we even go to the depths of Genesis 41, beginning about verse 25, that affected the whole world. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. And the seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind shall be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be known in the land because of that subsequent famine. Quote, will be very severe. Famines. And then you, you go over to, to verse 53 about the same famine. When the seven years of plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was a famine in all the lands. But in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. And when the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. Because the famine was severe in all the earth. I'm going to come back to this one. I'm going to Lamentation, or Second Kings rather, excuse me, chapter 6. Because why would God bring a famine on the whole world? Let me, let me come back to that and maybe even speak to that a little bit, Lord willing, next week. But in Second Kings chapter 6, famines can be tremendously devastating. In verse 25, listen to this account. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth of a cab of dove's dung. Five shekels of silver. So this is like a war, right? And so they're bringing a famine, a siege. And as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help me, my Lord, O king. And he said, The Lord does not help you. From where shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? 
And the king said to her, What is the matter with you? And she said, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today. We will eat my son tomorrow. Think about that for just a minute. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Could it really ever get that bad, church? Well, that's a foolish question because it did. Lamentation. Lamentation. The lament over Jerusalem and again through a war and a great famine and starvation. In Lamentation chapter 4, there's this verse that rings out. And it says in verse 9, Better are those slain with the sword than those slain with hunger. For they pine away being stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. That tells me something else about a famine that maybe you don't, you don't get the, when you look at an image. You, the pain of starvation. It's not just starving and being hungry, but the pain of starvation. When God cre- created in Genesis 45 or brought forth a famine, Joseph tells us something that God was doing through that famine. And there was a purpose for that famine. And in Genesis 45, beginning in verse 5, Joseph says, And now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. God was delivering the people. We have an abundance. America. I'm not going to talk about everybody else. I just want to talk about us just a little bit. We have the food. We have the resources. We have the money to help. We're part of that richest 20%, if you will. The richest 20% of the world, which includes us. The rich have more than 10 times the wealth of the rest of the world, yet we consume 75% of the world's goods. And the USDA says this, that America spends $7.5 billion on, on, on potato chips and around $6 billion on tortilla chips, a little over $13 what, billion dollars a year. So here's something to think about. We spend this much money on snacks, chips. Here's something to think about. Do you notice anything different about this next image you're about to see? Will you flip the slide for us? Thank you. What is the difference between us 
and them. And the problem of poverty is not just, you know, in Africa. It's all over the world. The, the, the problem of, of starvation is that it's a worldwide epidemic. It's, 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 it's a terrible thing to think about. But not us, right? Not, not us. That's not what we see every day. This is what we see every day. And it, it, for some reason, it, it, it blinds our minds or our eyes from what the rest of the world, what they're truly going through. Think about them. Now think about them. Think about the other people for just a moment. What about those starving babies? What, what about that? What about them? You think about us. I remember going to school. There was a, a, a pie, and there was a, a, you know all these food choices, right? And, and you look at the food choices and the food groups, and we we think about the the pie, and we realize that you know we're good, right? But not, not are they good? No, they're they're not. We have just mounds of food choices, right? You, I mean, you, whatever you want, whatever we want, we can have, right? At, at any given moment of the day, in the, the middle of the night, you can wake up and have a, whatever we want, the abundance that we have. And they would love just to have one, just, just something in our food groups. And you know what food does? It makes us happy. Right? It's, one of those, it's one of those happy things. But I'll tell you something about this Pulitzer Prize image you're about to see. How happy is she? This gentleman took the picture. You probably read about him. And walked away. He won the Pulitzer Prize. And thought about this, and thought about this, and thought about this. He was supposed to help her church. But he didn't. He killed himself because he couldn't live with his decision. At our bidding, we can have a feast. And as many feasts almost as we desire, but they cannot. They don't, they don't have the blessings that we have. And, and let's be honest, some dogs eat better than many people in the world today. That's even in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus was talking to the Seraphician woman and she was asking him for help. And, and she makes this statement to Jesus and Jesus is talking to her and the statement she makes is so real. If you really think about what she said, it should kind of bother you a little bit. In verse 27, she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And how true that is. How much food from my table do I give to my dog? Kind of think about that. Across India, um, this uh, image uh, is a young lady, a young girl, her name is uh, Roshan. She suffers, obviously, from starvation. But this is making malnutrition more common in the Asian country than in sub-Saharan Africa. This is a report they made. 
And then there's that question of why, right? Why? And I want to kind of talk more about why as we continue through this lesson series idea. Why isn't the world, why hasn't the world done anything about poverty? You know, what have we done about world hunger? I want to read Proverbs 13 in verse 23. I think, I think the Bible tells us, kind of gives us a clue. In verse 23, the Bible says, Abundant food is in the fallow ground of the poor, but it is swept away by injustice. You think the government has a little bit to do with the corruption? <laughs> we can't blame them totally, though. We can't say, well, this is the government. It's a government issue. No, it's, it's a people issue. And it's a government issue. They've had their fair share in greed. When you think about the world, Jeremiah chapter 14, and they're, they're suffering and they're, they're struggling. Some, some would say, well, you know, uh, you know are, the, are the people lazy? Or, you know, we start asking these questions that, well, let me just ask you a question. Jeremiah 14, 4. Listen to what it says. Because the ground is cracked, for there has been no rain on the land. The farmers have been put to shame. They have covered their heads. Now, if there's no rain... What does the ground look like, and how would the ground produce food? And whose fault then is that? The farmers? Are the farmers lazy? Well, this is what a lot of the world looks like, church. Famines are terrible. And a famine is just simply, right, a a severe shortage of food. And then how did it become that way? And there's a whole history behind that. This is a serious epidemic. It's plagued the world. Famines are devastating, church. What about the children? They're devastating. Famines are, are not just famines. World hunger is it's tough to see it. It's tough. North Korea, children starving scrounging, trying to find food, right? Just anywhere, right? Eating just whatever they can find. Children, in North Korea, children are starving. All over the world, children are starving, church. The babies. You ever, you ever seen a baby cry, but there's no sound coming out? Because they have no strength. Because of severe malnutrition and famines have plagued the entire world and here's some of the great ones let me just mention uh, a few of them uh, the famine so uh, in Ireland there was 1.5 million dead 2 million people that were uh, immigrated somewhere else in Vietnamese 1945 2 million people died from a famine North Korea Three million died. You see, I'm just going up, right? In Russia, the famine of 1921, five million dead. In Bingo, 1943, seven million. Starvation. Died of starvation. In 1770, they had another one, 10 million dead. 
the old Soviet, Soviet Union, 1932, to 1933, 10 million dead. Chalissa famine, 11 million dead. 1907 in, in, in China, Chinese famine, 25 million people died of starvation. And then the, the great Chinese famine, you may know about that one, 43 million people. And today people are dying every, there's some statistics, if you just Google it, you'll find statistics of how many people die of absolute starvation every single day. Like the widow, the early church, they Thank God. They, they did what they could. We read this last week. I want to review just two scriptures from last week. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 15. Remember, this was the, the great work for the, 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 those in poverty, those who were suffering in Jerusalem, the church. Romans 15 in verse 22. For this reason, I've often been hindered from coming to you. But now, there's no further place for me in these regions and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you, where I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And the reason we mention over and over again Macedonia, as we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, is because the Macedonian congregations were poor themselves. And the Bible says, for I testify, verse 3, for I testify according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. The poor were begging to have an opportunity to help the poor. That, that's pretty nice. What about us? And this not only, and this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Thirty million people a year die of, of hunger. That, that's a lot of people. That's, that's 30 million. Think about how many people. 30 million people. That's 30 million people who are dying every year because they're hungry. And then I think about the food that I personally throw away. And 30 million people are dying every year of hunger. Does that strike a chord with you at all? Remember Proverbs 19 in verse 17. Grab it, hold on to it, cling to it, love it, appreciate it, thank God for it. But Proverbs 19 in verse 17. He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. And he will repay him for his good deed. Just hold on to that one. If you're, if you're ever thinking to yourself, you know, do I really have the money, the means to help these poor people, wherever they may be in the world, wherever they may be in your world, 
Hold on to Proverbs chapter 19 in verse 17 if you need something to hold on to. And I want to do something. I want to next week talk about, well, what has God done about world hunger? You know, why does world hunger exist? But I want to look at one scripture today, Acts 14. Acts chapter 14. There is more than enough food. So you can look at all of the statistics, and they will tell you, those who study agriculture and, and etc. There's enough food produced in the world today to feed every human being on the planet continuously. In other words, there's no reason that we have poor people except for the reasons in the hearts of humanity. Greed, the lack of selflessness, and all the other words that come along with that. God is not cruel. God has made plenty for all to share. It's not God's fault. Acts 14, in verse 16. And in the generations gone by, he permitted all the, the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. That's his witness. And so there's plenty of food, but still 783 million people go hungry. And I know we could, we could list a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with us. Personally, we, can, we could list those. We could say, well, some people choose to use their money on drugs. and some, I mean, we could, we could go down that. But that's not really what this is about today. And I guess the question to ask or to be asked is, is there anything I can do? Sometimes it's just, I don't know what to do. I mean, I would help if I, if I had an opportunity to help. I just don't know what I can personally do. So, what I'm presenting to you today, along with phase two, alleviating human suffering, is our own Jerusalem project. There is something we can do. And I'm introducing it to you, to prayer, that prayerfully, that it will become our project. We'll call it a Jerusalem project. If you're willing, if you're able, I'm asking you for the next three weeks, four weeks, to set aside money. Why do I do that? Well, when you go to the store, instead of buying that candy bar, maybe you go without and bring that money. Maybe instead of buying two chips, maybe buy only one. I'm asking you to think for the next three to four weeks about how you can use your resources to help those who are in poverty in the world, dying of starvation. November 5th, that's going to be our date. Globally, November 5th will be our Jerusalem Project completion date. On November 5th, we're asking you, if you're willing, to give money to the church to purchase food for starving people in the world. November 5th is going to be our day that we're going to ask you to bring that money. And our goal is to send money to as many different parts in the world as possible 
That depends on how much money we get as opposed to how far we can go with it. To help brethren, to help people who are just starving. We don't, it doesn't matter who they are. We are going to start with brethren, but we're also going to go with everyone else that we can who are starving in the world. I'm making all the connections now because you've got to make sure that the money we give doesn't go through an organization where people are paid. We want to give the money to the people. We want to get the food to the people. Maybe I should say that instead. To alleviate human suffering of all parts of the world. Now, if you say, wait, I, I have my own that I want to do. Do your own then. Right? If you say, I would rather, you know, give to this. Well, then give to that. Just what I'm saying today is there is something that we can do if you are willing and if you are able. So, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about world hunger just to encourage you and to keep us in front of you. And I pray, God, that when we finish speaking of alleviating human suffering in our second phase, that as we alleviate human suffering, it's not something that we do only on November 5th, but rather you think about this and keep this in front of you. Do you think maybe since God provided all this food for the whole world, for generations to come and generations gone by, and yet there's still so much starvation and hunger and poverty and all that comes with it. Do you think that maybe this could be a test? Just think about that for a minute. This morning, the lesson is yours to think about, to consider, to pray about, and to participate in. And this morning, if you are struggling in your walk of faith, and we can pray with you, pray for you. See, that's what this is all about, right? It's all about our Christianity and our walk of faith. It's all about giving you something that you can tell the world that the angry church of Christ is doing. We're feeding starving people. We're different. We're unique. That's what this is all about. It's all about saving souls at the forefront. This morning, if you are not one with Jesus and you want to surrender your life to God, the waters are available. If you would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism today, Today is the day. Now is the time. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation, why don't you come?